Chinese restaurant. Are you even following Telegram? I've been good, just hanging out. Yep, same. Just fucking did some yoga because my back's all fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess I'll just like, are you ready to go, or should you want to like take some time or whatever? Uh, yeah, like we can go now. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Yeah, so just say phase one, and I'll just clap and go. Okay. Yeah. Phase one. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the first of its kind. This is a field report. Um, we, we've we never really done anything like this. I'm joined by my friend, uh, Young Eddie. Some of you might know him. And basically, this week has been kind of a, a, a tale of multipolar alienation from this uh, CPI uh, Center for Political Innovation event to the XR station at South by Southwest. Uh, It's been pretty insane. So yeah, the week, and I also wanted to thank Amelia, who was kind of like on the ground with us. So this is basically like a report and there's going to be some field recordings of actual stuff that happen as a kind of like proof to uh, share with everybody. And it's all very wild sounding and interesting. So yeah, this is kind of the first part. My friend Alex Beanstalk was in town. We went to Stubbs Barbecue. We read our ontology because we're making a short movie. So it all kind of starts off. uh, We go to Stubbs. We do our new based action. Uh, I get ki- we get kicked out of Stubbs for getting on stage, and we were reading this. The year is fourteen eight eight four two zero six nine A.D. The material in cyberspace dyad, as we know it, is extinct. There is no internet no human, no currency, and no nature. There is only the negative one, which is dummy data. In informatics, dummy data is benign information that does not contain any useful data, but serves to reserve space where real data is was nominally present. The real data cannot be located because the dummy data was not rigorously evaluated and documented, which has caused unintentional consequences. What exists now are infinite micro-algorithms that are cryptographically non-decodable, indefinitely. These micro-algorithms are collectively called a meta-spirit, which exponentially disappears and reappears so quickly it creates vibrating negative one-dimensional strings. So that's kind of how we all started. Uh, We got kicked out of stubs uh, for uh, elucidating the barbecue ontology. And it was a really interesting event um, because it led to South by Southwest. So at South by Southwest, I tried to bug Taco. They, the University of Arizona had this great uh, reset sort of area 
where they were like feeding people bug tacos. Did you try the bug taco, Eddie? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what yeah. did you think? How gross was that? It was, it was, you know, it's so funny. Like I'd heard that like bug tastes like meat if it's like roasted or whatever. So I was like, oh, like whatever. Like I'll like eat it. And so I like ate it. And yeah, it was pretty gross. Like it had like a weird texture. Yeah, you know what it tasted like? So it's like this Klaus Schwab forum kind of thing where they, uh, I don't even know what you call it, um, but it was a strange situation where they were like talking about, I guess, how this is like a new sustainable type of food, you know, get in the pot, eat the bugs kind of thing. But they were using butter and guacamole, which is not sustainable to cook it to make it gourmet and if you bite into this uh, bug taco it's like crunchy on the outside and it just it tastes like alien uh, brains on the inside like it's the most disgustingly textured thing uh, of all time I don't think anybody could ever get used to eating artisanal bug tacos there's just something uh, deeply violent about it and disgusting so yeah so you ate the bug tacos how what did you think well well i ate it and then like there was like pieces of like bug wing in my teeth i was like oh this is like really fucking gross i was like yeah this is not for me like no yeah um yeah it was really really gross and and so like that was pretty strange. And you can kind of get a sense that the whole festival had moved away from music and uh, live bands. And it was quickly becoming sort of like a TEDx technocratic experiment, like experimental ground for like right. people's kind of like foreplay into, into sort of like future projecting in a sense. Uh, and I thought that was really weird because I had played South by Southwest as a musician a long time ago. And it was just like every independent label. Now they, there is no such, there's none such thing really anymore, uh, made their artist go and play South by Southwest. So we actually had to go there, um, to sort of promote the roster or the rest of the label. And it was super packed uh, it was impossible to get anywhere and you had to play like six shows a day. And now it's all just kind of like uh, crypto Dow showcases with Pussy Riot. And that's another thing I want to get into. That was pretty funny. Uh, and and like VR headset stuff. And there really is there really are like no there's really almost like no music. It's just sort of like a festival of like futurology. And I thought that was kind of, it doesn't, it's not surprising, you know, it's giving like 22nd century Hieronymus Bosch vibes a little bit just because of all like the drunk stumbling party people that are like going around the street, like throwing up. But like the thing that they're collectively engaging with is this, um, is this like alienating virtual world. And yeah, so we went to the unicorn crypto DAO. Eddie was not there. I think you were too young to get in. And it yeah. was like fully politicized. It was like all for Ukraine. And on stage, they had this white girl rapping. 
and um, <laughs> and this is right before Pussy Riot played. So um, it was a really strange experience because um, they had Eastern Orthodox crosses upside down on stage, inverted while they were taking donations for Ukraine uh, at the door while um, this white girl with her tits out is rapping, none of us are free until we all come equally. And she was like saying stuff like, sex is my curse, we're all gonna die. Uh, And it, it was just like really, really surreal. And... Yeah, and so Pussy Riot went on, and it was just, like, the same thing, basically. So we were kind of like, this is weird. But it was for this, like, crypto, like, DAO thing. And a DAO is basically an online group where people get together and they formulate, you know, a plan to make money using, quote-unquote, decentralized currency and finance. And so I thought, I thought that was pretty weird. Um, Eddie, do you have any thoughts on that? What do you think of like the upside down effigy? Beanstalk had a great time. He was like, "Oh yeah, this is awesome!" Like, you know, this is like crypto lib. Uh, It it was pretty funny because I don't want to like. I feel like the Globhom meme is a little bit. it's that's like a little bit overplayed, I think. But when right, you see right. something like this, you're kind of like, uh, is it? I, I don't know. Yeah, no. yeah, I mean, we both live in Austin. I feel like I've seen whatever like shit all the time. And it like, it's like really blackpilling. That's like a real black pill. Holy shit. <laughs> I can only imagine. I've seen so much crazy shit, but like, that's not surprising. But that's like, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the most surprising thing to me was the fact that they had the inverted ortho cross. And, like, I don't really care. I'm not, like, a satanic panic person. Like, honestly, like, I don't right, give a shit right. about any of that stuff at all. Right. Like, I'm pretty, like, free speech for everybody. I, I don't care. Uh, I right. just thought it was, like, I just thought it was an interesting gesture coupled with, like uh, an organization for speculative finance. It kind of says right. it all. Uh, yeah. in a, like, I, I don't really care about the content, but yeah, Beanstalk was, was, was having a great time. He was like, uh, yeah, it, so that was a pretty weird thing. Um, okay, I think we're done with this section. I'm going to clap right now. Is that all right? How was that? Yeah. That was good. Phase two. Okay. So the next day we go to our second day of events. Uh, This was actually really, really interesting because we had gone to this center of political innovation tanky conference. It's, it's so funny uh, to me because on one hand you have like the tanky conference that's like in Austin in this like sort of like shitty hotel uh, lobby. And then you it's like sort of like this reaction to what you would call the Great Reset. But when you see these people LARPing, it's like a, it's just sort of like a product of that same cycle of alienation. 
You know, it's almost like you kind of wish these fringe political whatevers would just kind of like sit behind the screen because they demystify themselves so much. Um, yeah, so we show up there and Amelia is planning on, on filming the event and they had incredibly tight security. Like, it was fucking crazy, man. Uh, so they get our numbers and our stuff at the door and I'm talking to this guy and he starts like, you know, he's like this straight laced. Everyone's wearing suits. It's like super. It's like suit cell, uh, like cheap suits, communist American patriotism with like uh, Texas pins mixed with like communist, uh, you know, CCCP symbology. It was just fucking bizarre. And this guy is like gets really sussed out by me because I'm talking to him about just asking him a few questions. And then I like ask him like, oh, so do you have guns? He's like, this is Texas, buddy. What do you think? Kind of thing. I was like, all right, like whatever. Um, so we get in and we sit down and there's this large Leninist bust of Abraham Lincoln. It's very much kind of like the modernist priest socialist realism. And it was actually taken from an American Communist Party uh, statue that had been resurrected in, in 1938. So we sit down and there's this like sonata playing and you're just looking at these people. It's like, it's completely wild. So we go and we look at the books and they're selling like Gaddafi's book and uh, LaRussian text from the Schiller Institute. And they've got a picture of Huey Pete Newton and a bust of Mao and uh, books that are against cancel culture, you know, kind of like this typical uh, weird uh, internet stuff and everyone's talking about Alexander Dugan and we sit down and you know it's like I'm amenable to populist politics like I understand that there's some issues but you just look at these people and there's this like air of dysgenia that just kind of like seeps in like you could it's like these are not people who are uh, really a part of like the public uh they're not really a part of the commons, but there are no commons anymore. Let's like get that out of the way. So we sit down and I'm with like my three goth friends and we're all sort of laughing and we get surrounded by this group of manlets in suits and they're like, you're making people uncomfortable. You have to leave. Meanwhile, they go on all these uh, speech tangents about how the U.S. media is censoring them Uh so it's like they're crying about cancel culture, yet these like like one goth gay guy and then one other guy wearing bike and like one and Ellie are like making them feel uncomfortable and they were they were like kicked out. So and they kept looking at us like like seriously, like the whole time. And they kept being like, I'm warning you, like we're on to you kind of thing. So they kept telling us like, um, we're, we're watching you. We're on to you. Uh, and I thought that was really strange. So this, uh, so Caleb Moppin goes on, who I guess is used to work for RT, is somewhat of like a patriotic communist. But it's funny because they brought out the piano music. They brought out a fucking CCCP, Soviet Union flag, holding up an American flag, with the Z, Victory Russia, 
logo flag uh, meets the Donbosk region Russian flag. And they made everybody do this weird, like, uh, Rosicrucian pledge to the new communist party thing where they were going to save America. And it all just felt very uh, virtual. And it, it and it was really, really fucking weird. So they're like looking at us the whole time. I can't stop laughing because these guys just like they have no swag. I mean, you you can't really have a political movement if you have no fucking swag. This is why a lot of these post left groups fail to do anything in real life because they have no interest in aesthetics, contemporary art, fashion. Um, everything is kind of just a meme to them. Uh, they don't really read the internet particularly well. They don't really have standards. Um, it's just whatever makes them feel good. It's, it's this like abundance of endless pleasure that they're seeking through information. They're data, they're data sexuals basically. Um, and I found it to be just kind of like hilarious, uh, so they're circling us the whole time. And basically, one of the security, he takes my phone away and he deletes all the pictures off. And, you know, you're hearing all this and rhetoric about, you know, how Russia is saving America from the imperialist NATO. Meanwhile, in my opinion, I think Putin had played his hand very, very poorly and actually fit into, he fell into the trap that NATO set for him by being aggressive, thinking that he was going to get Gaddafi'd maybe, which is, you know, like, I'm obviously very skeptical of the mainstream liberal neoconservative narrative that surrounds Ukraine. I think there's tons of merit there. I think it's a hundred percent a joke. Um, you know, everything from the ghost of Kiev to, uh, you know, everything else. It's just so obvious. But I'm wondering, like, who funds this thing? Because this it costs a lot of money to fly these people out to make this Abraham Lincoln bust. To And they had this kid from San Angelo, Texas, this uh, Mexican kid, Hispanic kid. It was talking about his time in Nicaragua with... Um, yeah, and I and I found it to be pretty interesting. You know, some of it was interesting, uh, but the LARPing stuff was just crazy. So they just kept circling us and intimidating us, and I was just, I was literally laughing the entire fucking time. I was just like, you guys are such fucking losers. Like, like this is not a fucking joke, bro. <laughs> you know, kind I, I'm not trying to be smart or anything. I just I just thought it was kind of goofy. Uh, I thought it was not actionable. I thought it was basically embarrassing for anybody, you know, like it was just a it was just pure unfettered simulacrum and a people's obsession with the uh, simulations of their own mind. It was like a that e that event was a true Boltzmann's brain. So Eddie, what do you think of that? Yeah, I wasn't there, but I mean, yeah, that's like fucking satanic and retarded. <laughs> yeah, like I was seeing like the photos of it and I was just like, 
I mean, it looked like an AA meeting or something like that. Just like the shitty lobby or some shit and like people in suits. Just the whole thing felt like a liminal like space or some shit like that. Like, I don't even know. That shit's stupid. Then my friends got kicked out. Like that shit's just retarded. Yeah. No, it, it really was. It was a really strange thing um, to... Uh, yeah, it really, really weird. Um, I thought it was, oh, God, yeah, I have no idea what to say. Um, but afterwards, they were like, this cowboy-looking guy uh, was like, we, we snuffed out the Maoist infiltrators and kicked them out before they could do any, the Austin Red Guards. It all felt like very, like, you know, night, knights of the fucking. It felt very medieval times. It right. was a total relapse of twentieth century anthropocentric cultural narrative. Uh, it, it's very much this idea that these people have agency and they can bring about multipolarity, but the deterministic element that undergirds all of this stuff is basically like we just have this endless tapestry of causations that are creating these, you know, sets of circumstances which then create themselves and inscribe themselves and proliferate themselves. And it becomes a sort of like a slow-churning historical machine that is utterly unstoppable. And I think people want to be the face of this machine to sort of see which way the wind is blowing. And I understand that. I understand that you, the U.S. is kind of like in a weird spot. I was more just kind of like, this is swagless. You guys have. But I will say, like, one of the speakers, she had like Botox. And there, I saw like two Telfar bags there, which was pretty oh, wow. funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, it was like Telfar tankyism. It, which like is its own sort of thing also uh in that i don't really i mean like i can't judge obviously why every single person was there they probably weren't there not everyone there was for the there for the same reason some were there for the spectacle like i was just there to see observe it as a spectacle um one where finally these areas of the internet come and they gather in person and seeing what these people are like. And, you know, I, I saw, I didn't see very much. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of like, uh, you know, meaty fucking working class, whatever. Uh, you know, I saw <clears throat> a lot of, basically internet people so i don't know what you think of that yeah like the working people are working and these people are fucking doing whatever i mean like we were talking about this about like logo and dasha and dasha was like get a job i don't know that's how <laughs> logo I was there too yeah 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 and it's like that's like whatever like his thing or whatever it's like these people just need to get a job just be normal i don't know just get normaled out. 
it's hard though i mean it's i just again it's uh yeah it's the internet going going in on people's brains and doing what it does and that's you know it's funny because a lot of these people have criticisms of arpanet the internet as this uh tool of the military industrial complex which obviously obviously it was like cybernetics had been invented since basically the 40s and the 1950s so you have people who are aware of arpanet they're aware of these systems but somehow they fall prey to the same discursive trap that they're aware has been set for them and i don't understand why people still believe in discourse like I just sh- just shoot your fucking shot. Have some swag and shoot your shot. I mean, you know, I, I just it's uh, oof, you know, people, you know, they're not really sending their best, are they? Um, that's the thing that's interesting about Dugan, though. He has an aesthetic understanding of geopolitics. Same with Surkov. I mean, Surkov's poetry book is incredible. Um, right. I you know he called his mixture of politics he had this aggressive nuance that was he called it a mixture of Brechtian theater uh, and gangster rap which I thought was like but this was not that because there was no you know you know what I mean right. I could see it being funded as a kind of way to it's it almost seems to me like the way the CIA funded abstract expressionist art it's almost like i feel like this stuff is being funded by certain oligarchs or whoever to sort of like both like legitimize and delegitimize internet meme politics because they want to show that like this is America's version of what we do, which is a joke, which at sort of like a an optics level also makes Americans look like a joke. And we are a joke. I mean, we have a fucking theater kid occupied government as <laughs> so <laughs> I mean that's that's a good one. Um just total hysteria, histrionics, quality of life getting worse and worse for people. Uh, inflation rising and yeah just a it's a horrible time for the non just people who don't engage in art at all like it's a it's a very depressing time and I think I've been saying this you know Haas I think is a very smart guy I think he has a lot of potential Um, but you know he talks a little bit about Heidegger Heidegger says something I love which is basically ideology is a horrible, uh, whether you're sort of like a, a Platonist or a singular cosmist materialist, it's a horrible expression of material circumstances. And really, poetry and art has always been better than ideology. So I love being a nihilist. I love it so much because I don't have an ideology. Right. I think ideology is stupid. I, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in discourse. And so, yeah, I think this is the end of the second phase of, of 
the um, report. So let's end that. Phase three. Okay. We are on our next phase. We went to the Friends with Benefit crypto event, which is a NFT company. It's a little bit more tasteful. There's not a whole lot to say about this. We kind of showed up. Uh, They said you needed to own five of their coins to enter, but it's basically like this crypto club that functions as a sort of like social club. Uh, I've heard rumors about who funds it. I don't really know for sure. Uh, But I found it really, you know, Friends with Benefits is kind of an interesting thing because it's taking the decentralized notion of a crypto space or Web3 and it's turning it into an elite social function. So all of this stuff kind of terminates in centralization. You're starting to see a real pattern with this crypto stuff. Um, And some of it, I think, is done very, very well. I like Romilia. I like Milady. I like the Toji computers because it's just total art. It's it's Gestamskunst work. It's a complete art that kind of ascends the medium of the NFT. So it kind of removes the medium from the actual work. Uh, you can't really separate art from the from the circumstances in which it's created, though. So obviously all art, whether it's completely um, abstract, it's just a total pure formalism, it's still imbued with that timestamp of uh, political subjecthood, even though we are moving so far away from this notion of, of political identity as something that can really be imparted on people, at, as we've seen with the, the kind of meme ideology stuff. But yeah, I was actually reading uh, this Boris Groy's book, who is a Soviet art critic uh, and media theorist. And his book, I've been reading some of his stuff on Eflux lately, but he wrote this book called The Total Art of Stalinism that basically argued that socialist realism was the true form of avant-garde art, even as Stalin was uh, doing away with the avant-garde. You know, he was banning it because he said it was bourgeoisie, it was a psyop, it was Western uh, decadence, especially, and this is kind of, you know, similar time to when the, when the abstract expressionist movement was, was coming up in the United States. So he basically had outlawed it by and large, and turn to a socialist realism model. Now, the book argues that Stalin was actually the true avant-gardist because he, in the imagery, the sort of semiotics of socialist realism, created a new society that was purely, he sculpted society as a work of, of total art, of Gestampkunst work. Um, so they were kind of equating him with the Bauhaus movement saying like, this is actually the true avant-garde. Well, it's funny because in this book, they talk a little bit about how 
the avant-garde also had a will to power. Like the avant-garde arts movements wanted institutional power. They were vying for it too. That might have been true in the 1930s and 40s. It is not true now because we have a difference between resonance and power. What is power? What is resonance? Resonance is a series of causations. It's what me and Angelicism spoke about in private when we came up, helped foment this notion of a vibe shift, which he was the first person to elucidate on, on his substack. It was basically when everything has become dead and extinct, all that's left is the language. So we were in the middle of a lockdown. It was kind of felt everything, the internet had run out of stuff. And all of a sudden, people just got on this wave, and we actually made this thing where we're like, we're going to do more now than ever before because we have to will something out of this empty hell. You know, it just felt, everything felt like torture in June of 2021. Uh, and so I don't really think after the fall of Soviet Union, as Jean-Luc Nancy points out, the Soviet Union fell, communism fell, and information data words became communized. This is where resonance and transmission comes in, especially in the field of the media arts. And the way capitalism proliferates it, it becomes very easily co-optable. There's not like stable stuff, but there is no power because the power already exists even when you're not aware of it. Um, so it's almost like a way of giving up. I feel like the arts have sort of given up and they recognize the kind of Armageddon-like dimension of the situation that we're in. So that was a that was a tangent, but that was my tangent about DAOs and and uh, media arts through uh, Boris Groys. So Eddie, oh yeah, Girlpool played too, but I didn't really watch very much of it because we left. It was not. <laughs> it was a very uneventful <laughs> party. This was basically a way uh, for me to sort of talk about the idea behind. Uh, the will to power of the avant-garde. Um, and what do you think of all that? Sorry. Yeah, I think uh, I like Miladies. I like Romelia. There was like something funny that like the Milady maker tweeted today or yesterday. It was like, it was like um, they said like, we're, this is a scam and we're going to lose all of our money. And I really like that. And I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know, we should have that approach and ev everything. Like, who cares? Who said that? It was the Milady Maker account profile on Twitter. Wait, they said that? Yeah, they tweeted that, yeah. Well, they're so hyperstitional. You don't know. I mean... yeah. <laughs> That's kind of part of the art of the Milady is that I feel like part of the art of these is that you never know what's real and what's not. So they're really playing with, they're basically generating new narratives. Um, you have a lot of neologisms floating around now, like Dark Maga is another one. That's one that I love. 
I sort of hypothesize that my friend Tyler Lee Childress, the artist, he started that aesthetic probably six, seven years ago. And he actually is moving to North Carolina. He just got a house with uh, Jesse Spears. But the like, kind of like dark new, like novel Americana art style, um, very cryptid, very strange. I It doesn't exist. It has to be get... It, this all needs to be gate kept away from like... I don't know how to describe it. It's impossible to fucking gatekeep anything anymore. So whatever. I'm just trying to give him some credit because I think he's... Well, he got some because I think he did... He got picked up for uh, East St. Laurent. They used some of his designs recently. So he got paid out pretty good. So it's good to see um, artists who were shunned uh, over the past four years kind of be redeemed or vindicated. And his stuff is really great too. Um, yeah, so that's interesting that they tweeted that. What did what were the response? Like what what were the responses to that? I don't remember, but I just I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, like that's pretty cool. <laughs> like yeah. That's yeah, that is pretty cool. That's really funny. Um Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure uh, where any of that will go. Uh, I wish everybody the best of luck. Um, yeah. What? So, what? What else do you think? Uh, well, from the part, the NFT party thing, it was pretty lame, to be honest. Oh, there was like a po- there was a part of the party where we were like messing with this TV screen. And we basically took a screenshot of the TV screen, like on it. And like, there was like a moment where everybody was just looking at it and they, everyone just started laughing. Cause it was like the joke, like taking a screenshot of the NFT. And it was like really funny. Um, I don't know. That was like a little anecdote thing or whatever. That was kind of funny. Yeah. It was funny uh, taking the picture of, the screenshot of the nft right as a yeah. as a background i actually it was funny uh one of the nft galleries i didn't realize had a windows 10 stock screen saver of like these twigs and i was like huh i really like this nft this is really cool and i think uh, somebody pointed out oh that's not an nft that's a stock windows 10 screen save <laughs> shot uh like so it was basically a stock background from Windows. And I it's thought so that was the best art at the entire <laughs> event, which kind of tells you something. Uh, right. That was pretty, um, you know, obviously I might have really bad taste or something. And I also just like bundles of twigs. Uh, that's right. another thing. So really, really funny. Really, really funny shit. Um yeah. So, anything else there? Are we? Are we? How? How's the report going? Mm, it's going pretty good. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. This is exactly what I how I expected it to be. Anything else to say on that? Or oh, uh, there was one thing that I was going to okay. say. Oh yeah, like the art NFT there were like really bad. I was going to say that they look like shitty Yu Gi Oh cards or something like that. Um, that was all I was going to say. 
they look like shitty Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yeah, they did. It was, um, uh, yeah, it was really, really funny, but exciting nonetheless, uh, just because you're all the drunk people, you know, stumbling around Austin. I think Austin's been a lot of fun lately. Uh, yeah. So why don't we go to number five? Okay. And all class. Okay. Okay. Phase five. Okay. This was an interesting day. I had managed to get into the XR exhibit of South by Southwest, which is the virtual reality exhibit. Um, I met up. Actually, you know what? Uh, this artist from Berlin, I had spoken to Jacob von uh, Kunstietz. Uh, Sorry, Jacob Kudstison, who does Liminal Lands. His stuff is actually really, really beautiful. And I went over there and I spoke to his assistant. They hooked me into the VR set. And this was like, as soon as I enter, um, that's the first thing I did. But when you walk through the hallways of the Fairmont Hotel, there's meta stuff. There's like Furby, NB metaverse uh kind of like s sexualized anthropomorphic animals everywhere and uh it, so it's it's all very meta uh centric so we i go in there and they it's actually really really interesting and here's something that i think is good about vr when you use it for de-socialized purposes like uh the liminal lands uh, film. It, it's really interesting because I I heard the process was he went to the swamplands in, in France, like deep, you know, kind of in the bogs of like Brittany, where it used to be. And he took hundreds of pictures of rocks and stalactites and in these kind of really sort of and it, it was put through a computer generator. Like, I'm not good with the process stuff. I'm not a computer scientist or an engineer. So if I get a lot wrong here, just bear with me. Uh, this is not my fucking wheelhouse at all. But so I put these on and it's this morphing natural environment that you can walk around in kind of and you stare at orbs and the orbs turn into stalactites and... Um, I actually found it to be very relaxing and beautiful. It was like 18 minutes long. Uh, and one of the things I think is very positive about this is that it's a way to re-engage people with natural habit, with a kind of interest in the natural environment. Even though it's simulated, it was very peaceful. There was no talking it wasn't like there's nothing business. There's no objective to this virtual reality world. It's all very like, how should I say? It was very calming and very meditative. And I think that's something that people will need. I, you know, if the metaverse takes off, let's hope it all fucking fails. If this is the de facto way that people are going to be operating themselves as 
uh, master slave business, you know, sole proprietors and entrepreneurs, I think maybe this is a, a net positive. So I was actually very impressed by that. Then I went to this like army sponsored VR headset thing where they like had these guys dressed up in like uh, World War II and they're like, I want you to enlist for the army. So they put the headsets on and they were basically recounting the Battle of Iwo Jima with, oh, and the Navajo Code Talker. So it was like this story, totally surreal, bizarre experience. They didn't know how to hook anything up. It was like really weird, total like propaganda stuff. I mean, people say all art is propaganda. This is all propaganda, maybe to a certain extent. Yeah, that's true. But this was like clearly aimed at a certain thing. So yeah, I walked around there, uh, saw some more NFTs, saw a lot of uh, metaverse Furby shit. Um, yeah, and that was basically it for that. But yeah, that's kind of my read. Uh, Eddie, what do you think? Uh, I haven't tried the VR stuff. I'm pretty skeptical of it, but that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, I, I mean, obvi ob obviously it's, you know, you kind of have to be skeptical. But one of the things I thought was really fun was just taking my recorder around and catching all of the kind of ambient conversations that people were having, uh, you know, getting the headset fitted on. And it was just, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like a, a weird experience, you know, like it, it, but it was, it was actually good to go in and see it. Um, I don't really have that many opinions Honestly, I mean, I think I just kind of gave them all. But Eddie, so what do you think? Well, you mentioned the metaverse. I have no idea. Like, I don't even know. Just being like a student who's done the Zoom shit. I really, I don't know. I'm kind of anti all that stuff. But I don't know. I guess if it's done like artfully like that, I guess that sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Just get blissed out looking yeah. at trees. Yeah, it wasn't bad, honestly. It it was pretty good. Um Yeah. I don't know. There's that's kind of all I have to say about that. Honestly, I I don't really have much more to say. Uh It was Yeah, it was a strange experience. Again, the lack of music the lack of shows, uh, that was pretty stark. Um, it felt very dystopian, bug taco, uh, uh, kind of, you know, like that was the, that's like the overarching sentiment of this entire like post COVID festival to me. Um, you know, you're starting to really see things shift, uh, at least in terms of this one particular, institution and, and where it's it's heading um yeah and that's pretty much it but it all kind of ended in a pretty cool way so i don't know if you want to clap or whatever 
uh, Eddie, I can clap and then you say the last, this next one. Yeah. Okay. Phase six. Okay. So after that, a friend of mine. So we go to this uh, Umru party that was, you know, it was like a post PC music kind of stuff. And it was cool, you know, very zoomered out. It there There didn't feel to be a lot of energy, though. It felt sort of stale, disembodied, neutered, uh, which is why we all left after like 20 minutes or something. So we go there, and it's pretty packed. Uh, and, you know, it's good, but I feel like this kind of, like, a lot of this stuff is just kind of feels very disembodied. Uh, and then I had a friend come from out of town who is in like the rap world. And so we went to his event and Matt Ox played. And that was fucking awesome. When you, like SoundCloud rap is like what gives me hope basically. Cause you could just feel the energy and Matt Ox was so fucked up. I mean, he's this like 17 year old kid who he might have rapped two words the entire time, but you could feel that resonance. And he had one dreadlock, and everyone was going fucking nuts. He probably said two, like the backing track was going, and he might have said two things the entire time. And the DJs. We're playing like Pop Smoke and Chief Keef and Yeet and like all the shit that I like. And you could just feel the energy. It was so fucking great. I mean, oh God, I fucking love rap music. Like, it's just, oh God, if you don't like rap, like new rap, you're just, oh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's the only thing that like gives me joy, basically. I mean, it's like so based. It's fully embodied. It's it. You know. It's just so fucking cool. So yeah, we were up there. Bit uh, baby, uh, big Jade. Uh, she was rapping. That's a Houston rapper, and she fucking killed it. She sounded like it was like early three six kind of gangsta boo flow. I don't know. But that shit was really fucking sick. I don't know. What do you think about rap? Oh, I love it. I mean, like, I, I went, like, I feel like I saw, like, every SoundCloud rapper in high school. I saw a little peep before he died. Oh, man. I saw X. I saw, like, all these people and, like... X's mom was yeah. there at the party. Oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like I saw, like, everyone... And yeah, I mean, like at every single one of those shows, I thought I was going to die just because of how crazy it was just like, you know, people falling over each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that stuff is great. And then it just kind of ended because of COVID, yeah. but that sounds really cool that that stuff is like coming back because I just stayed going to those shows. I never saw Maddox, but that sounds like so sick. Yeah, it was great. Um, so it, I feel like there's 
you could really spot the difference between like the hyper pop feeling versus like the sound. I, it just there was no doubt in my mind which one was more objectively fun. Right. And so that's kind of how I saw it. Um, it was really, really objectively fun. And yeah, I mean, if you're not reading the SoundCloud rap stuff, you're, you know, you're, you're relapsing a bit. And the narrative is, uh, God, it's so, you know, it's just, I don't know. Um, that's pretty much all I have, honestly. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or? Uh, no, that's really Did you it. see any movies lately? Uh, yeah, I saw the Batman yesterday. Oh, how, how was it? I want to ask. It you. was like, it was okay. I don't know. There was like all these people on Twitter, like freaking out about it. I guess like they did talk about like, it was like political, I guess. Like it In was like kind of like, I don't know anything about what, it. It, it, it. Like it's it sort of like the, the villain guy is sort of like this, like right wing, like, I guess like YouTuber guy. <laughs> And he just had this legion of like stands and whatever. They just were just like doing whatever acts of terror or whatever. It was very, it was like pretty well done to be honest. Like these fringe, I don't know, like they're showing like shots of like forum, like screenshots or whatever. And like, you could tell that like some person wrote them or whatever. And they were like mimicking whatever, like, Twitter threads or like 4chan threads or whatever. It was it was kind of interesting to be honest, but the movie was like okay, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah. No, I um yeah, this week has been really really crazy for me. Just because of the 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 um, the specter of finance punk movie that we've been filming and my back problems and I was like sick before that last week like two weeks ago and then doing all this event stuff and trying my first on the ground reporting uh yeah I mean it's been it's been very very interesting I don't know I like it it's cool um I want to do more of this. I don't know. I hope I hope everybody likes this because I hate to say it, but I kind of want to do more of this because there's a lot of stuff to, you know, check out. Um, I'll be probably trying to do one of these later, maybe like a month from now. You know, it just depends if something's worth going to. But yeah, the CPI thing was totally funny. It's just a... a a road, uh, a divergent road with two yellow woods, you know, of total alienation and atomization. And then the and the one sort of saving grace to all of it was just SoundCloud rap. I mean, that's that, that, that was basically it. Um, I don't really have any. Oh, and the new based movie. So the movie was one of the most fun, liberating things I've ever tried to do in my life. We filmed for three days. We ate barbecue. We fed barbecue to a pig. We pulled out shotguns. Uh, we sucked down some stubs. 
Uh, you know, it, like this is what SoundCloud rappers make up their own words. They make up their own ad libs. They make up their own jokes. Like this is how new things get created. This is how you do stuff and have fun. You don't do it by, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just had so much fun because the Omni Hotel was right across from Stubbs. We got kicked out of Stubbs, kicked out of fucking the PCI thing, and that was it. I mean, it's just fun to like do some new some action kunst and get out there and create your own uh, philosophies, you know, because the new base is housed in the Omni Cringe, which harvests barbecue sauce from Japanese piss dumplings, uh, which spring from the mouths of the world's most beautiful kawaii girls. And so this is all true. It's all going good. I think that's it. I think we're good. We got a turn. That's big change, bro. Uh, no. Yeah. Apollo GT3 with an MP3.